Welcome to another episode of The Lanyard, the podcast that goes deep with change makers, business leaders, and community builders. Here's your host, Ben Hanton. Well, I'm very excited because I just had a cookie delivery. Can't wait to eat them. God knows I love cookies. On today's show, we have Stacy Sudkamp of Figtails, and that starts right now. Well, thanks for making the trip down. My gosh, my pleasure. We didn't know if this podcast was going to happen this morning. Tell me why. Kind of crazy weather up there in Flandreau. Yeah, so this is Thursday, and last night was the second night in a row of bad, bad weather in this area. So you're in Flandreau, which is about a half hour out of Sioux Falls? Yep, um, 35 minutes north. And what did, did you guys get Flanding, hit? We, well, we didn't get hit with a storm like the tornado, but we've had nonstop rain. Yeah. It, we haven't had much of a summer. So tons of flooding in Madison, flooding in Flandreau. They called off school. There's water in the kitchen. Yeah, I saw Mitchell got just nailed too. There's uh, yeah. like that Clockworks motorcycle shop was just... That video this morning was yeah. heartbreaking. Yes. For anybody that loves two wheels, that video is heartbreaking. Oh, are you a two wheeler? I used to be. That's where yeah. this, that's where the name of Figtails comes oh, from. Oh, which is interesting. So Figtails, <laughs> we're gonna get right into it. Figtails is the name of the cookie business. That is the name of the cookie business. And I was that was my first question. So tell me more <laughs> so about this, that. This works out perfectly. I I wanted a scooter so bad. I Lived up in Minneapolis. I thought this would be a great place, great way to get around. and Like a Vespa scooter, something like that. Well, what I fell in love with was a Vespa-styled new scooter. So when I turned 30, I bought myself a Stella, which was baby pink. And I rode around with pink Doc Martens and a pink helmet, <laughs> pink jacket, pink scooter. And on the helmet, I had suction cupped two blonde fake pigtails. That would blow in the breeze. So my scooter group, which I rode every Tuesday night, uh, the Tuesday night ride. You had a scooter gang. I had a scooter gang. We traveled all over. We, <laughs> we used to do a ride on the second weekend, September, called the Blister Run. And we would ride our scooters, 250cc scooters from Minneapolis to Duluth. But we rode all over. We went to Ironwood, Michigan one time. Lake Geneva is home of like a, a Mayor Vespa. So we rode to Lake Geneva one year. But they they coined my fake pigtails, figtails. <laughs> so what happened is I needed an LLC name. I was going to buy the bakery in Glenwood, Minnesota, ages ago, like over a decade ago. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to write this down as the name of the LLC. I'll get it started so that the paperwork's all set, and I'll just file a DBA doing business as, and I can call it whatever I call it. Everyone that I talked to when I was getting my licensing and everything up in the Twin Cities to do the cookie business was like, oh, yeah, you're figtails, right? And I'm like, I'm not changing this. this. Yeah, you already had your brand. I already had the brand. Why Why change it? Exactly. People look for name recognition and you had it. It's one of those things, too, that once they hear the story or once they see the picture, like there's a, I was part of a feature when Minnesota does a land of 10,000 scoots, like scooter rally. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they did a feature on me back in the day, so people knew that picture and that story and the whole nine yards. Oh, that's so, excellent! Yeah, you kind of wasted that opportunity because <laughs> you're in South Dakota, so all that brand equity you had in Minnesota, right? Did it transfer over? No, because I yeah. sold the scooters when I bought a coffee shop in Flandreau. Yeah, so let's <laughs> let's kind of start. We've got a lot of business to get into here today, but where did it all begin? Where did you grow up? Grew up in Pierre, South okay. Dakota. Um, like so many of your podcasts, what do you call us? Authors? Speakers? Guests. Guests. Yes. I went to college, didn't finish. <laughs> so Same. Shout out to Will Bushy when he was on and said <laughs> I didn't graduate college. I was like, there's a lot of us that spent some good money and some good time in college and went, I don't know what I'm doing. Right. Oldest sister is in the medical profession, always wanted to be a doctor. Second oldest sister is a lawyer, always knew she wanted to be a lawyer. I fell in love with literary criticism. And where do you find a <laughs> where do you find a job for that? Probably you, New York City. You don't. Um, your mom says, "What are you going to do with that?" <laughs> and so you quit school to become a nanny in Boston for a year, <laughs> which <laughs> is what sense. I did. Came back, worked on politics, like worked on a couple of campaigns. Thought I really still don't know what I'm going to do, so why go back to school and spend 
four grand, seven grand yeah. uh, classes. I I only had about six credits left to finish. So oh. yeah, I know rough. Moved to the Twin Cities and was a Catholic youth minister for a year at the Church of St. Gerard and worked with a fabric supply company like um, Marine Upholstery or that worked with my schedule so I could work at the church and work at this fabric company. From there, I went and sold mini donut machines. One of the guys that was um, on the sales team at the fabric supply company said, I need a sales assistant. Would you come do what you did at the fabric supply company for me? I went and interviewed and the sales manager said, I don't need a sales assistant. I need a salesperson. So I sold many donut machines in Minnesota for eight years. How did you find your leads for a mini donut business? Did so, you just go to state fairs and county fairs and say, boy, there's a better way? So the best leads were from actual operators. So I used to spiff my current operators. If they gave me a qualified lead, I would send them a bag of mix. And the story there was, I'm not just sending you a $28 bag of mix. I'm sending you $375 yeah. worth of profit. Free. Free. So you send me a qualified lead. I'm not just going to send you the bag of mix. I'm sending you business. That's going to pay more yep. more than pay for their entry into the county fair. Yeah. So Entrepreneurs Magazine, Female Entrepreneur Magazine, we advertised in a lot of like money making, like back when you got old school magazines. In yeah. The mail. So I had so I grew up in Webster, South Dakota, and I had a classmate that in high school ran her own mini donut business okay. out of her dad's meat market. Sure. Is it good money? They, yeah. Back in the day, it cost 22 cents for the dozen donuts that included the glassine bag. Oh, really? And they would sell them for sell three to four for, dozen. Yeah. Yeah. Three to four dollars a dozen. Maybe I'm in the wrong business. What people didn't know, I <laughs> we used to test all of the machines. So the mini donuts, they would collect them in like a 55-gallon drum and people would pick them up as bear bait, which is horrible, but also like Bears like donuts too. Yes. I used to, when we would test machines, I would take those donuts and I would trade them for drinks at the bar during the winter. <laughs> exactly. Because currency. Like, Wait a minute. Where are you where are you getting mini donuts this time of year? I was like, I work for the company. Like I love it. <laughs> so, you know, I have this weird background that that has many hats of, you know, selling newspaper subscriptions to being in publishing and selling ads. And now I run a bar. And when I tell people that, they seem to think that these things have nothing to do with each other. Right. And to me, they actually make a lot of sense yeah. because they're my career path and they I, I find a lot of similarities. Do you find similarities between your work and all of those different fields? Absolutely. When I bought the Bean and Vine four years ago, my sister asked Which was the coffee shop. Which was the coffee, coffee shop, restaurant, liquor store. Okay. In yeah. Small town. Yeah, right. It's a little bit of. I've been in a lot of small towns where on your way out, you can you yep. can see the bottle display of plastic bottles and exactly. uh, 750s. You could get a pizza, a six pack and coffee in the morning or. Life's good. Life was very good. So so those tied together. Well, I you know, I was up in the Twin Cities for almost 19 years and the job that I left for was nowhere near the mini donut machine job. Um, I worked for, as a marketing manager for a medical device company. So I went from selling donut machines to customer service on a diabetic supply company. So I, sw I swung the pendulum that all the way. That one was easier yeah. to find the lead list from. <laughs> yes, indeed. There were the people that had bought many donuts. Yes. Worked there for eight years. And the notion there was I went to the medical device company because they had tuition reimbursement. And I was like, you know what? I, need, I should finish this degree. Well, in the time that I worked and then went back to school, they were like, now you have to finish all these general education liberal studies requirements. So I had to take nature and the environment, intercultural communication, like all of these credits just to get back to the six credits that I needed. <laughs> and it was like, this is such – and my job there changed a couple of times and it didn't work with my schedule because I was traveling and I was doing trade shows and sales promotion coordination. And it was it was just a lot to try and handle – Going back to school and finishing that up. Yes. So yeah, I do. It's it's an interesting story. People go, wait, what? Everybody gets caught on the mini donut <laughs> machine part of my resume, and then I go, well, when I when I did the work at the medical device company, I wrote all of our articles and submissions, and I planned promotions and I planned events, and yeah, that all comes into play when you're a business owner. Yeah, it's still all about aligning people with their desires yep. and their needs, right? Absolutely. But you had Boston, you had Minneapolis. 
And then you have small town South Dakota, which is kind of where you came from, but even smaller at Flandreau. So how did you end up there? Okay. So I worked for a Catholic insurance company. Okay. And did their sales or their volunteer training. So they have programs. It's like the Catholic version of Thrivent is what it is. Yes. So uh, Catholic United Financial has volunteer teams. They have one here in Yankton, actually. The last time I was here, I was training them at uh, Minerva's. What I did was I would go around and I would train their 50, 60, and 70-year-olds, which really they were 60, 70, and 80-year-olds, how to change their programs to meet our funding requirements because some of that stuff had changed. They were used to just having a pork chop dinner after their 11 a.m. mass. Now they weren't getting their $500 or $1,000 because people weren't coming. So I went, okay, what if you bought pizzas from Hy-Vee and you put the pizzas in the oven at 1015? And by the time 11 o'clock mass comes out, everybody smells pizza. They're willing to stay. They're not in, they don't, their kids aren't going to eat a pork chop dinner like you had 75 years ago. That's right. So I traveled the five state area. I, North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, Wisconsin. I happened to be doing a training in Millbank. Saw that the coffee shop was for sale. I'd been doing cookies for about seven years at that point. Knew that I was looking for either a bakery or a coffee shop or something that had a commercial kitchen that would allow me to do cookies. And I saw that the coffee shop in Flandreau was for sale. And I thought, well, Flandreau's not that far from Millbank because when you grow up from in South Dakota, nothing's that far. That's right. So I popped in my rental car and ran down to the Bean and Vine. I only knew one person in Flandreau from college, and I shot him a Facebook message. I hadn't talked to I hadn't talked to Bob in probably twenty years. I was like, "What do you know about the Bean and Vine?" And he replied, "I'm there twice a day. What do you want to know?" I said, "That's good enough for me." Yes, you went to a town where you knew nothing, and you went to the coffee <laughs> shop. Well, I shouldn't say you knew nothing, but you knew nobody. I knew Bob. And you went to the coffee shop, which is the center of community and culture. And you said, hey, let me in. (laughs) I did. (laughs) It was interesting. When I took over the Flanger coffee shop, the Bean and Vine, that was when the tribe was looking at legalizing pot Pot. and making their pot thing. You'd have been the first uh, legal pot in South Dakota. And in fact, I had customers at my bar planning to yes. book hotel rooms because the I think it was New Year's Eve yep. they were gonna they were gonna launch their pot. So here's me. Brand <laughs> new to the town. They don't know me. Yeah. I kinda came in as a whirlwind because the transition was quick. The gal that was selling it wanted out. Um I made her a cash offer. She said I'll do it but only if you open July one. And it, that was like three weeks maybe. So it was a quick, I mean, it was a quick turnaround. But everything was there. Everything was there, already set up, running business. Except for you. Exactly. So the coffee ladies were sitting there as they do, or as they did from two to five every day. And they were kind of engaging me in conversation. And I said, oh, that's, I commented from my side of the bar. I said, oh, that's cute. I said, you guys think the tribe is bringing pot to town? And one of the ladies turned and she said, what? I said, 600 pounds of pot probably goes through this town every week. And that was very offensive. <laughs> Blew their they minds. They didn't know how to take that. First of all, no. And right. second of all, Who not in you? my polite town. And you. Yeah. Who are you? You haven't earned your spot in our coffee house <laughs> <Exactly>. yet. <laughs> so one of the ladies came up to me afterwards, close to closing time, and said, um, if you're going to make it, you might want to watch your tongue. And I said, oh, honey, if you think I'm going to censure myself, you're so wrong. And that's what started things off. They kind of knew. I I mean, I grew up in a family of four girls. You got to hold your own. You just laid it all out I there did. and said, this is who I you am. You know what? I, and here's where this started. This started in high school. I was not a popular kid. I was a weird kid. I liked I liked going to the state library and reading books on countries that weren't assigned to me. I mean, I was a weird kid. I used to love going to legislature. I loved when legislature was in session. I would just go and watch like committee meetings, stuff that normal kids didn't get excited about. But were you so, comfortable with your weirdness? Or? No, I wasn't. Not yeah. at all. I was I I was the saddest high school kid. But I, I figured out early on these were not my people. I couldn't win that game. So I'm just not going to play. My sister was editor of the yearbook, editor of the newspaper. 
National Honor Society, like the whole gamut. Yes. I was not that kid. I argued for, I did not want to dissect a, a fetal pig in high school. So I lobbied the school board to add chemistry too. And I think about this because like my parents didn't go with me. My parents were like, if you want chem too, figure it out. I had to get 15 kids to sign up with me. And they were like, if, if it's important to you, you'll figure out how to do it. We don't do that for kids anymore. We go, you know what, mom will go with you and mom will tell somebody that you don't want to dissect. And it's, we're missing out on all that piece. How did you lobby your classmates <laughs> to say, you too should be taking chemistry too, just they, like me? I, I And not telling them it's just because I'm squeamish about it. I targeted all pigs. of the advanced kids. <laughs> all the kids that were in my advanced classes, um, I targeted those kids first. And then I targeted juniors by saying if they took chemistry too, as juniors, they wouldn't have to take a science as a senior. Oh, yeah. And we had open campus, so there were You're a bunch of You're going to have to take a science too. anyway. Yeah. School board was not happy because they didn't think I could get 15 kids. <laughs> um, and yeah, so Mr. Peterson had to teach chemistry too. So you said you weren't happy with your, you weren't comfortable with your weirdness back then. No. But have you grown to accept oh my your gosh. weirdness? Yeah. You and know that's, what? That's when you were at the Bean uh, and Vine. <laughs> you, you were at that point, you were comfortable in your own skin. I think I've been comfortable in my skin for a long time. Yeah. You know, once you realize not everybody's going to like you, you're not everybody's cup of tea. I've heard my whole entire life, you're a lot. I mean, my notes, <laughs> I, I have my notes from my interview at Catholic United Financial. And God bless Kathleen Moriarty for hiring me there because I came in. I mean, this was a Catholic insurance company. And I came in like a whirlwind. And they were just like, you're going to what? And it she says in her notes might be too much for our councils. And I was just like, I've been told this my whole, like I yeah. can couch it when I need to couch it, but that's not what you want me for. You're I, I'm the perfect person for ideas. You want to brainstorm? I'll brainstorm with you all day long. I'll give you a thousand ideas. You need somebody to move picnic tables at 8 a.m. on eight Sunday morning. No, that's not me. I'll rally the troops at 11. I'll always have a job for a volunteer. I, we had the cleanest we had the cleanest chairs and tables at any event because any time a volunteer came up to me, I would hand them a rag and I'd say, would you wipe off those tables and chairs? I don't know if those tables and chairs have been wiped off yet. And like my colleague would say, you just told two other kids to do that. Every volunteer needs a job. I don't want anybody standing around. That's, that's when people say, I showed up to help and you didn't need me. And he was like, oh, I, I just re-listened to um, how to... Uh, make friends and influence people. By oh, Dale Carnegie. Carnegie. I list, I read that book. It was in my dad's like work book stack. I read that when I was in the eighth grade. And once you read that book, life changes. I realized that I was looking for what I didn't get from other people, but I wasn't giving that out. I wasn't making people feel known. I wasn't. I I started remembering names. So when I worked on the campaign, one of my jobs was to follow. Not the candidate, but one of our political party directors. And I would remember all of those details, just like the book. So it was that whole notion of, oh, I'll remember that you've got two daughters and you personalize it. Absolutely. Yeah. The other thing that, that Carnegie was really into, letting people hear what they want to hear. Absolutely. So it's not necessarily lying or being deceptive. It's just saying that you can get your point across and still have a win in it for yep. them. Absolutely. That's what I think about all the jobs, everything that's led up to me being able to do cookies full time. The thing that I love about doing cookies, and I mean, that's my full time job now. Yes. Which is just wild to think <laughs> that I make that I've made this a job. But I always tell people, the more personal you can get on a cookie, the thing that is the most personal, put on something that a dessert, that's when you'll see that absolute joy. I just had a set for a couple that was celebrating their 60th anniversary. And the daughter wrote in the email, and it was just one of those like, tell me things about your parents. And she said, oh, um, my dad's favorite song is Kiss an Angel Good Morning. And so I, I made a heart cookie and it said on the side of it, you know, Kiss an Angel Good Morning. And he goes, oh, this this one's mine because I kiss one every morning. Oh, wow. And it was like, yeah. and Sharla shared that. And she was like, it was so sweet to see him respond to that. Well, even just walking in with the box of cookies you did today, <laughs> you have my logo on a few. You have uh, some wine glasses on some. You have some unicorns for my daughters. I and did. that's going to have a major impact when they get home. Well, <laughs> and I... 
I actually creeped your Facebook page. You don't you do use your daughter's names very often. And then I it dawned on me. I was like, oh, I should have checked Instagram. Oh, you have an album. I do. That's but then right. I was like, they're little, so maybe they can't read their own name. Yeah, I kind of got in this habit with my daughter's photos that I almost just post photos with no caption. I kind of right. just got sick of doing captions. I felt like the photos I was taking was self-explanatory. And so, yeah, you're right. You probably don't know my daughter's names well, except it, from And Insta. I didn't. I didn't think about Instagram until after I was already on the road. <laughs> and sometimes I'll take icing bags with me, like in my purse. Is, <laughs> so you can last um, minute personalize? There's, well, there's gold, edible gold paint yeah. for the unicorn horns. And then um, the wine glass, I usually paint the wine on. Oh. So that's, yeah. yeah. But I normally carry stuff with me and if I'm doing deliveries and it's a fresh delivery. Yes. If I, yeah, if you bump the box. Well, not only... Not only the smiles you might bring to somebody's face by personalizing it, but I bet you get all that extra publicity and marketing from it, too, because I'm more likely to take a photo and an Instagram if it means something to me. Well, and it's one of those things, too, where you'll go out of your way to take the the one that looks the best mm-hmm. naturally, yeah, right? Yeah. And then either pose with that in front of your logo or in front of a beer glass or whatever that might be. I do a ton of work with medical device companies because that's one of the connections that I had. So I do cancer diagnostic strains for Roche Diagnostic. You just might look at it and go, well, that's a pretty butterfly. But when the lab technicians go by and get those they know that that's the stain and strain for lung cancer oh. or breast cancer or colon cancer. Yeah. yeah. Hey, story has the power <laughs> to transform. If people can find a place in it for them, yeah. you're doing it through cookies. And it's one of those things too, where I'm, I'm not just making my client happy. I'm making their clients happy. Yes. Hey, well, before we get too far into figtails, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about Bean and Vine and why you're no longer in that sure. coffee house. So you talked about your first days there and about how you had to jump in with three weeks uh, notice, basically, and about how you hyped up about pot and the old ladies weren't, weren't pleased with you. But but you also had a couple years in the business. And so what went well and why aren't you doing it today? I will tell you, first and foremost, I'm not a great boss. Um, I'm a good creative person, but I don't know if you've ever read the E-Myth. No. Okay. So a friend of mine who runs his own printing company in the Twin Cities was like, you might want to read the E-Myth. And the E-Myth is all about entrepreneurism and how running a small business isn't necessarily entrepreneurism. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So so the idea being what? That some people like to start and some people yep. like to run and they're not necessarily the same thing? Correct. Also, some people are very good producers. Mm-hmm. And just because you're a good producer does not mean that you would translate as an entrepreneur. Yes. I'm a great producer. I can produce all day long. I'm never going to be Mrs. Fields. I grew up in a family where an A was an A, a B was a C, and a C was as good as an F. Like there was no... Yes. No one ever said that. No one ever, we never got rewarded for our A's, but I never would have brought home a C. And so translating that into food service, like employees, was so hard for me because I just wasn't. Because you're saying there were people who were doing C's? Uh, Not so much that C's, but I couldn't. My my heart was in cookies, not running a coffee shop. And we had a full menu. We had pizzas, burgers. I mean, the works. Yes. Plus the coffee shop, plus the liquor store. I w- I, in three weeks, I didn't look up what unemployment was in South Dakota or in Flandreau. So even hiring people, the options were pretty limited there. We weren't in a position to offer benefits or any of that kind of stuff, which makes it so tough. And I really wanted a commercial kitchen to bake cookies. So what was happening is I was working from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. with the coffee shop liquor store. I would lock the front door, turn off the lights. Liquor store door was open, which everybody knew. Like liquor store is open as long as I'm there. I would bake cookies from 6 p.m. until sometimes 2 a.m. So you're running the business you wanted, but you were also running the business you didn't want Correct. at the same time. And not putting it all together. Like, oh, I need a manager and I just need to let go. Yes. And by the time I offered that to an employee and was like, here's the you can have the bean and vine and the restaurant. We can work out a sweat equity deal. I don't even need cash. I pay I paid cash for the business because I've been planning this for seven years. Yeah. I 
this doesn't work for me. I just want to do cookies. I can make more and work less doing cookies. And I was so short with people. I was awful. I, I really was. And in a small town, you only get that a couple of times. I mean, if one of my, I had so few employees, if one of my employees got sick, we would have to close or I would just do coffee or, you know, and so yes. it was just, I mean, I put up signs every flu season that was like, if you have the flu, you got to use the drive through or you have to not come in. And, you know, then you see a grandma come in with her grandson and we'd be like, <laughs> we were just at the clinic and he's got strep. And I'd be like, oh, my god, I'm going to lose employees in a couple yeah. of days. Yeah. And because it's food service yes. on top of that, I can't have somebody hacking in the kitchen and making a chicken quesadilla. But you also didn't have the luxury of having extra staff. No. So. And Flanders is a tough town. It's a great town. I've had great support there. The story about how I work out of the grocery store now would only happen in a small town. Thank, thank the Lord for Maynards and Mike Witte, who on his first day of joining our development corporation, and I'm not even a member of the corporation, but I go to all their meetings, said, what do you need? I said, a three-compartment sink. I have all the equipment, everything else. Everything else I used to have in Minnesota, so I just need a three-compartment sink. So that you could fulfill the requirements of the Department of Health. Correct. Yeah. He said, well, we have a, we have a three-compartment sink. Would you be interested in selling your liquor license? And I swear to you. Oh, because a, a grocery store would sure love to sell absolutely. some. And I, at the time, I was the only operating liquor license in town yeah we made a handshake deal i said i'd love to i'd love to sell you the liquor license and he goes sell us the liquor license we'll build you a commercial kitchen yeah so he's probably going to do a better job of selling the liquor because that's the business he wants to be in and you get to have your business and they have they have the capital yes to invest in i mean yeah i can bring in a couple bottles of pendleton but I can't bring in two cases of Pendleton when it goes on sale. Yeah, that's how you really make money. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I agree. And so, and then I was always fighting with, you know, Flanders close enough to Sioux Falls that people go, well, Black Velvet, you know, you sell it for seventeen ninety nine, but I can get it at Sam's for sixteen fifty. I can't buy it for sixteen fifty. Like they're literally losing twenty two cents on yeah. you know, and so or they bought a yep, pallet worth in December <laughs> yep. when it went on a deep post, and exactly. you were able to afford three bottles yeah. that week, or even just like, um, and it's all the stuff with business that people don't take into consideration. Like I had an attempted break in, the broken door was like nine hundred dollars, and the deductible was like. Yes. And you're like, okay, never saw restitution, never saw any of that stuff. And you're like, that literally is like two days of my profit. Like, Death by I a can't. thousand cuts. Yeah. So it was that kind of stuff. I wasn't enjoying it. I bought the bean and vine to do cookies. And once I doubled down on cookies, yeah. Yes. Well, let's take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about cookies, the struggles, the opportunities of sweetness. Back with Stacy Sudkamp. The presenting sponsor of the Landard is Ben's Brewing Company. We are a brewery, tap room, and speakeasy located in Yankton, South Dakota. Our beers are on tap in several South Dakota cities. Visit us online at bensbrewing.com. Good people drink Ben's beer. Hey, Lanyard listeners, it's Brennan and Mandy from Boston Shoes to Boots. Do me a favor and think of something you will not buy generic. For instance, I will not buy generic toilet paper. First of all, ouch. Second of all, they don't tear at the seams. Brennan, what's your example? I will not buy generic mac and cheese. It's not as creamy. They say it is the same, but it's not. Same goes for shoes. Now, we all know how easy it is to buy shoes or boots from big box stores, big online sellers, or a boutique. But are you really getting the quality and customer service that your feet deserve? A proper fit and quality made shoe can go for miles for your feet and your overall health. Wearing shoes too small or large can have long-term consequences. And those shoes that are cute but make your feet hurt all night? Not worth it especially when you're covering up the blisters the next day. Our staff at Boston Shoes to Boots is trained to measure your foot length, arch, and width. Do yourself a favor and invest in your feet by getting properly fitted into a quality pair of shoes. We don't carry cheap because we care. 
That's right. Quality only hurts once. And trust me, we've seen plenty of scary toes that have been crammed in bad footwear for too long. Many times, the effects are not reversible. So invest in your feet, take care of yourself, and go on your next adventure with a great pair of shoes from Boston Shoes to Boots, your footwear experts since 1915. Stop by and see us in the Meridian District in downtown Yankton or see us online at bostonshoestoboots.com. We are back with Stacy Sudkamp of Fig Tales. Right before the break, we were talking about the Bean and Vine, which was the coffee shop that you entered into and then got out of because you wanted to be in cookies. I got one more question about the Bean and Vine before we get to cookies too much more, which is when you had to make the decision to, to close it down, to take something away from the community, how did that feel? How was the community's response to it? It felt awful. Yeah. I was a gathering space in that town. So, and there aren't very many spaces to gather in that town. Bars and you. Bars, me. There, you know, there's the library, there's the Moody County Resource Center, but that's not the same. There's, there was, it's now closed, a family restaurant that had like a party room, but that was kind of a diner in a small town. It wasn't the bean, the bean and vine had only been there for 10 years. I always want people to explain. I always want people to understand, which is why I probably over explain things when really it doesn't matter. Like, but the town took it personally. I was a hermit for six months after I closed the bean and vine. And what people probably didn't know in the town is on a business lease, I had to tell them six months ahead of time that I wasn't renewing my lease. So I'd signed a lease for three years. I had always said in Minneapolis, if I was smart, I would do this business in South Dakota. If I was smart, I would do this business in South Dakota. And I used to scour Dakota roots thinking maybe someday like my perfect job will be on there and I could do cookies on the side. And I wish they had something for small entrepreneurs because there are a ton of people that have cottage businesses like mine that could move home and do a business like this in South Dakota. But that's a whole nother, yeah. that's something for the GOED <laughs> so, or Dakota roots to pick up. Yeah. But I think, you know, GOED and, and all of our economic development is structured at primary jobs, which typically means manufacturing right. and, you know, they want big hits. They want to make the kind of things that impact whole housing developments. Right. And, and some of these onesie twosie stuff has major impacts on towns, but they just, that's not what they're equipped to well, deal with. Well, and it's interesting because Iowa passed a cottage food law where they really? license your kitchen for $35 a year and you could sell up to 25000 I think it's 25000 I like that tiered now. model a lot. And what happens is a ton of these home bakers, and we all, every community has them, right? You yeah. want a first communion cake or you want a baptism cupcakes. You got a, There's a lady in town that does it in addition to Hy-Vee and Walmart. And you, if you're lucky enough to have a local bakery. Yes. Right, they Tons of these people in Iowa applied for this license because for $35, they could sell up to 25000 right. If even 100 did that, that's a quarter of a million dollars in business. That now, because you've licensed them and because they're pushing that way, that should be sales tax, which a lot of these small town bakers don't do either. Yes. But it's a way to kind of track that to say, oh, hey, you mean a lot of people working out of their houses aren't paying <laughs> sales taxes on there? Well, a lot of them don't even know that they should be. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. a lot of them haven't even thought right. that through. It started with just a little talent and yep. somebody giving them a exactly. $20, 20 bucks. bill. Exactly. Yeah. That's how it started for me 20 yeah. bucks with a birthday party. And what tripped in your head to realize that I'm going to go all in and double down and, and I was going awful. on cookies? I was awful in Flanger. They'll tell you that. I It wasn't working to burn myself like on both ends of the candle. Sure. I couldn't do the coffee shop in. So when I closed, I actually didn't do much in the town for the first six months. I, I just recovered. So what happened was the Bean and Vine was in uh, the Western Plaza, which is our strip mall in town. And when they heard that I wasn't renewing a bank that was originally supposed to be the tenant in that strip mall reached out and moved in. So I didn't even have an opportunity really to sell the business as a whole. And there wasn't another space to move into that was already squared away. Yes. So it was kind of, it was, it was a rough 
it was a rough go. It was a rough go for Flandreau. There's a gal right now that's um, opening the Flandreau Bistro and Bistro and Roastery. So starting fresh and starting over in a new location, a new space, and yeah, that's not said, easy either. No, and people have said to her, "Well, why didn't she just buy the Bean and Vine?" Well, she she could have bought the Bean and Vine business, but she wouldn't have had a. She would have still been going through the same She'd issues with location. So yeah. I knew I I had negotiated pretty heavy on buying the business. I knew that if I restaurant auctioned, I would be fine, and I had always kept cookies separate knowing that if things didn't go well. And what happened was I called my mom. I was like, okay, what do you think? First off, are you sick? Like if if you're sick, I'm not going to double down on this bean and vine coffee business because I'll need to focus on you. She's like, I'm not sick. And here's what she said. You regret the things that you, well, the first thing that she said, which is one of my favorite things is she said, I know a lot of people that have gone bankrupt. Okay, mom. Thanks. Like, yeah. <laughs> Although maybe she's saying it's okay. Yes, and and that's exactly what happens. she said. And she they, afterwards, they still are people and they're alive. Yep. She said, "I know a lot of people have gone bankrupt, and you regret the things you don't do longer than you regret the things you've done." Yeah. And that was like the freedom to go. You know what? If not now, when? And then you start playing all those games, right? Like, well, Julia Child didn't start cooking until she was forty. I'm fine, right? And I was like, it's an adventure. Worst case scenario, I move somewhere else or I yeah head home have to eat all the cookies right, which exactly. would be my problem why I can enter that business yeah although people probably think that about the alcohol business I'm in too you know I, I was a crappy <laughs> liquor store owner too because I don't really drink yeah so people would come in and they would be you weren't like, passionate about it no yeah. and they'd be like what do you know about right whatever I'm like I don't know yeah I love it. talking craft beer and I'm one of those people who can talk about the hot profiles that's not for everyone. No, I'm yeah. like, what's an? Is it an IP? What's the unit that doesn't really mean anything to anybody? IBUs. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's right. So yeah. you go into this new space in the grocery store. I am in the bowels. Of, my kitchen is smaller than the space that we're in right now. No. Yeah. This is small. This is super small. I call it the cookie cave. But you work by yourself. I do. I work by myself. And I love that. Occasionally, I think it would be nice to have a high school student come wash all my dishes. How many? So your oven, like, is it just a a standard oven? It's a caterer's convection oven. Okay. So four four pans is what I can cook at a time. And I I can do probably six to eight cookies on a rack, four racks at a time. So the math of that is 30 cookies, basically, at a time if you wanted to? Something like that. And you got into this and your client list was, how were you finding the people to buy your cookies? Was it all Facebook? All word of mouth. Pretty cookies generally taste like garbage. They they're, they just don't have a lot well, of Well, that's kind of true with, with cake too, right? Yes. I mean, all that fondant, most of the fondant yep. just garbage, right? Yes, because they don't put in flavors into it. So the Flandreau, Flandreau is known for its Flandreau Bakery. Okay. It's owned by Ed and Don Duncan. The Duncan family's owned it for like 135 years. It's amazing donuts. They're amazing donuts and bread. Oh, okay. And really awesome old school stuff. So at the holidays, they make anise candy and they make peanut brittle, like yes. old school yeah. bakery, right? So me doing cookies and they always come in and do bread and I... Just did 800 cookies for Stanford Scholarship Program like three weeks ago. So I have this giant cart packed with 800 cookies and the guy from the bakery walks in. He's like, hmm. And I said, well, here, you've never had a cookie. And I handed him one and I said, I'd love to know what you think. And like two days later, I saw him again and he goes, that's a lot of almond. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, well, I've been doing this for like 12 years now. So, I mean... Okay. That's my style. <laughs> and I, the number one thing that I hear is people will say they taste good. So it's yeah. kind of an almond butter, vanilla flavor profile, a little bit of lemon. And who taught you the way into this business? YouTube. YouTube. Google. Isn't that interesting? You are one Google away from being a new person, learning a different skill. You, literally one Google. Not like that 20 years ago. No. Back to my industry, which is is brewing, right? That you can learn a lot of next level tips and tricks to get your brewing game up from YouTube. Right. Free. Free. 
So you just watched and just subscribed and so, just kept finding your favorite uh, YouTube creators and and figured out your own way. Here's what happened. I When I was at the medical device company, we had a marketing group that was about, uh, I think there were probably 16 of us or so. And we would do things like every Monday, somebody would bring in soup from September to March. So you'd sign up for soup Mondays. It was like nine of us that did soup Mondays because you can make a crock pot of soup on Sunday and you just brought in soup and some sort of carb, some sort of bread. Yeah. And you literally had lunch for Monday from September to March and you had to bring soup like three times. So December of the first year we were doing soup Mondays, I was like, we should do a cookie exchange. And what happened was my friend Chrissy and I both decided to do sugar cookies because there were enough of us signed up. We were like, okay, if we do six cookies, two of us could do sugar cookies and we're fine. And the first sugar cookies are awful. I'll show them to you when we're done. They're a tragedy. But when I brought them <laughs> in compared to her cookies, she said, well, I didn't know that I was competing against Martha freaking Stort. And I was like, oh, well, that kind of felt good. Well, my nephew's birthday was in February. He wanted cake pops. And so my sister doesn't really bake. She was like, can you come down and do cake pops for Henry's class party? And Henry's got a peanut allergy, so his stuff always had to be homemade. Yeah, da, 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 da. Cake pops are horrible. And I was like, who does this? This is, I know, I'll figure something else out before Isabel's birthday in September. And I started doing cookies. And I started bringing them in because I'm single and you can only eat so many cookies. <laughs> and then you start collecting tools, right? Like, I'm sure it's the same with brewing. You start, I don't know, what does it start in? Like a 20-gallon stock pot? Yeah, absolutely. You start something with like five-gallon, really, you know, okay. so, something even smaller. It's a hobby that you can get into very cheap and easily. Sure. And you can make it as expensive and complicated as you want it to be. Same with cookies. Yeah. So I took Husker cookies down to Omaha last week and I had an extra one. So I took it to somebody and he goes, that's really good. You're pretty artistic. And I said, well, I use a projector. Oh, interesting. And he goes, oh, oh. Now you're not artistic. <laughs> so you traced it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, it's still, you still have to get the icing right. And you have to, I mean, coloring icing and the whole viscosity of icing and all that stuff. And it, it took me 12 years to get that. I mean, Absolutely. That's pretty, and that's why they there. look consistent and nice right. and organized. Well, and it's all, it's all those tricks that took me 12 years so that I can do a cookie in three minutes and not a half hour. Yes. Like it used to take me. And so, but he just would not lay off that this cookie was traced. And I was like. So is my mural, that well, big artistic mural I've got. Well, and he's a he's decent a projector. Mecha- he's a decent mechanic. So I was like, what do you. What do you do? Like twist bolts off with your hand? No, you use a wrench. That's right. Like it's a it's a tool. Same with cookies. So I just upgraded projectors because now that I'm in my forties, I need a few more lumens to make sure that the light's bright enough. And every once in a while, I will turn the lights off in the cookie cave, and it's just me and the projector. You know? Yeah. But yeah, between scribe tools and different flavorings and icing color. I mean, it can be, I've got a friend that charges $108 a dozen. Oh my gosh. But they're structural cookies. She's down in San Antonio. She's in a large, Uh I mean, she, she can command $108 a dozen. And people are happy. And people are happy. And you're more at a price point of. So I, cookies start around $39.42. Right in there. If you were doing a party and you said, hey, I want some Ben's Brewing Company cookies, but I also have 200 people coming, I would talk you into something else. Like, yes. Here's here's the kind of signature showpiece cookies that we can do. Here's kind of the filler cookie that makes the rest of that platter look nice, Absolutely. but it's not as much work. Front and center are going to yep. be the showpieces, but you're not going to do 200 of them. I just talked to a grandma that's having her first grandchild, and she's super excited. She wants certain cookies, and I was like, here's the deal. You can take pictures with those cookies, but yeah. if you want them to save that cookie, I do, on baby shower cookies, I do one that says, we made a wish and you came true. And the trend now is to save that cookie for when the baby's born, and then they take a picture with the baby and the cookie which I think is adorable. So I was like, if you don't want somebody to take that cookie, you can't put it out because people naturally take the largest cookie. That's just human nature. So, and people will take more than one cookie. For sure. Yeah. At 
four bucks a piece. Right. <laughs> 36, yeah. 39, somewhere right in there. It depends yeah. on how fancy it gets. Like there's people that want gold lettering or rose gold has been big. So once you start adding in metallic edible sprays and all that stuff, there's a cost to that. Has anybody ever given you a heck for like using licensed characters? Yep, absolutely. There's a um there are certain licensed characters that I will not do. Like Disney. Disney. Will, <laughs> Disney will prosecute. Absolutely. Um, and Disney will come after you hard. But that's what they're That's their game. That's, that's their, their deal. brand. And yeah. so some but people But like Peppa Pig and and yep. these Nick Jr. characters, you I mean, I'm not going to put you on the spot and say No, do totally. You, I've done them. Okay. Um but you're not as worried about them, but if you did Mickey Mouse well, like look out. Exactly. Or Star and so Wars. Some of those things so here's how we got around the star wars ones because i do star wars runs quite a bit i can use the star wars emoji oh yeah yeah so yeah. it's still star wars but it's not star wars it's kind of public domain at exactly that point. Yeah. it is public domain so that's kind of how you can get around some of that stuff with disney characters what they do is they'll do a yellow they'll do a yellow a yellow dress with ribbons on the side or They'll do Arabian Nights. They'll do a fine carpet and they'll do a lamp. Sure. So it'll allude to that. Same with like Alice in Wonderland. The other way to do that is silhouettes because a lot of times silhouettes yeah. aren't in the public domain or are in the public domain. Yeah. So that kind of piece. It gets hairy though because oh, yeah. you'll get somebody that says, well, I want this cookie to match these invitations. Do you own the rights to that invitation? Right. Or a lot of times I've got a friend that uh, does cookies out of Austin, Texas Haley's got, I don't know, 300,000 followers on Instagram. Her, I get asked to do her cookies all the time. She's a friend of mine. So I will reach out to her and say, hey, do you mind if I make, she does a Valentine's um, cookie that's an outline of a butt. And it's a super adorable cookie. And <laughs> a friend of mine was having a tough time. And so I, I was like, I want to make a cookie that just says, sorry about your butt. And so I sent her a message because cookiers are generally pretty... It's a pretty open community. There's a cookie con that happens. Uh, it was in uh, Indianapolis last year. The year before, it was in Salt Lake City. They want you to share stuff. They want you to use a technique or learn something or gain more. I, I flip business a lot of times to other cookie decorators that I know in the community because I can't. I can't do all the business. No. Well, I mean, we even talked about meeting to talk next week, and you said, oh, I got 800 cookies next week. I do. <laughs> What's yeah. that for? Uh, Sanford's PGA Tour. Oh, yeah. So I've been hey, doing a lot Hey, that's probably a good Sanford. client. Somebody who can, a good client. Somebody who can write some checks. They And they have been amazing because they get it from a creativity standpoint of saying, okay, we need it to look like this, but we also know that you're working with a cookie. Yeah. So, yeah, they threw me a curveball. They actually asked last time I dropped off cookies. They said, would you ever be able to do like 10,000 cookies if we did a cookie oh for every God. employee? And I said, well, it's just a matter of logistics because it is. Yeah. But then at the same time, I was like freaking out inside. Going, <laughs> okay, what would those logistics look like? Well, to me, those logistics would be <laughs> obvious to hire a lot of employees. But you got out of the employee business. I did. Are you done with employees no, forever? No, I don't think I'm done with employees forever. I it's a what matter could that of look like? some of the cookie decorators. I know they have somebody that just does dough, like that just rolls out dough and whatnot. So much of what I've built my brand on is that handcrafted artisan cookie. That's hard. That piece is hard to give up. Yeah. Yeah. So the business model changes. I do a lot of parties. I do a lot of classes. So if you say my kid loved the, my kids love the rain or the unicorn cookie, we'd, one of them's got a birthday coming up. Could you come down and show us how to do that? So I do a bunch of birthday parties. I do a bunch of classes. Or um, How would you charge for something like that? You just say, well, it's going to take my time, my gas, yep. and product yep. material. Absolutely. All of a sudden, that's not a cheap cookie. but uh, It's not a cheap class either. Yeah. But, <laughs> but if, you're, if you're looking, and it works best in that like um, eight to teenager range. Yeah. Where it's like, what do they do? What do you do? And you've got girls. It's not like you can say, go hit a baseball. I mean, you could. You probably do. 
<laughs> Which, but you know, to like be that, determined. Two well, year olds, it, two year old, and four oh, year old. We don't know yet. You yeah, got, you got plenty young. of time. Plenty of time. Yeah, I'm uh, trying to figure out what that looks like, but also just not really shaping it. You know, right? Totally. <laughs> well, and it's one of those things too, where um, I did a birthday party for a six year old. The dad was sitting off to the side, right? Because this is it was a bunch of girls. Yep. There were a couple of boys there, but literally two. And all of a sudden. We look over and he's got a cookie on a plate and it's the most decorated dinosaur cookie. And it was like, where'd that, where'd that come <laughs> from? But it's that whole, no one was telling him how to do it. Don't, I mean, he just kind of picked it up and was like, well, it's kind of fun. Yes. That's what it should be. Ultimately you're going to eat the cookie. So it doesn't matter. Now your medium is the sugar cookie, yep, not the chocolate chip cookie. Uh, but uh, you know about somebody named sweet Martha? I do. Tell people about Sweet Martha. Sweet Martha's cookies are a Minnesota State Fair cult following. They come in a bucket. They're what half dollar size, maybe? Would you say? Yeah, but just a ton of them, right? In this. Bucket. Oh yeah. yeah, like they scoop them up with like a French fry scoop off the pan. <laughs> the interesting thing about them is they don't have eggs in them. It's like shortening flour and chocolate chips. So is that <laughs> like, a good thing? Bad. I mean, well, that'd be a, normally deli- a bad they're thing. They're delicious warm, but if you've ever had a oh. cold bucket of Sweet Martha's, it'll make you think twice about getting what, a whole bucket. Because what, they're crunchy? They're just, they're not optimal. Interesting. I'll say that. I, when I lived in Minnesota for 19 years, I only went to the state fair twice. And people are appalled by that when I tell them <laughs> that because they're like that. She does like $7 million of cookies a day yeah. for a couple of weeks at the Minnesota State Fair. The amount of money that people can make in a venue like that is surreal. I, because I'm a one-woman show, I did a pop-up at Irish Twin Soap Company in Beersford. Yeah, Erin. Erin, yeah. yeah. And she's, if you can ever get her, you might have to ask Colin. He does the farmer's market in Vermilion. She, I love her story. Um, and I stopped into her shop, and we did pop-ups a couple of times. I, so, I sold out in 40 minutes. Oh, perfect. I mean, we, I had people waiting at the door when I got there from Flangero, and she was like, they're already here for you. <laughs> The next pop-up, I doubled what I did, and we still sold out. And it was phenomenal because people just don't – we don't make baked goods like that anymore. My mom yeah. grew up with a homemade homemade pie every Sunday that our mom made. Yes. I mean, when's the, when's the last time you had dessert uh, with dinner? You know, my grandma sure made pies, but I don't know too many others who are making them, you know? Well, and like the – I used to make quiches when I would go down to my sister's, and so – because she doesn't really bake. So I'd be like, I'll load your freezer up with quiches and then you'll be fine. And I remember the first time I rolled out the extra pie dough, sprinkled it with cinnamon sugar, ran the pizza cutter over it so it was in little strips and popped it in the oven. And Isabel comes wandering into the kitchen. She was probably three. And she was like, what is that? (laughs) I was like, those are Krispies. And she was like, I don't. I was like, your mom makes pie. And my sister's like, yeah, but I always buy the pie crust. Right. There's never any extra. Like your kids are missing out on a whole tradition because we don't make things from scratch. What are the prospects for this business as it continues to evolve? Do you want to do what you're doing now the same way in five years? Or do you have some idea of that this could be different? I think it could be different. I definitely think it could lean more towards classes or instruction and that that type of piece. You're not worried about creating competitors for yourself. Here's the thing. I I turn down business. I should should be careful saying this. I turn down business every week. Yeah. And I turn down business. I'm turning down baby showers, birthday parties, anniversaries because. Yes. Do I think that decorated cookies are like cupcakes or mini pies or cake pops or whatnot? And they have, they'll have their time in the sun. Maybe. Yeah. But, you know, I suppose that that class model might be one of the ways you could scale yourself Correct. without having to have a fleet right. of employees. And it's it's hard. Corporate work, like the work that I do with Roche or Sanford or any of the other corporate entities that I work with, that's good money. It's solid money. You don't have somebody that has buyer's remorse when they come to pick up their first birthday party cookies and you say, that's $170. Yes. I mean, that's... yeah. I sometimes think, happen. well, it's a good thing I make them because I couldn't afford them, right? But, but Sanford looks at it and says, well, our marketing budget for this whole event is, right. you know, yep. $9,000 and this added some extra sizzle to it. And Well, and 
you start to get smart. I get asked for donations. I don't know if you get hit up for donations all the time. frequently. So I used to get asked for cookie classes. And the one, well, the second one that I did where somebody paid less than $50 for a class for eight people. And I was gutted going, okay, you, the value of this isn't what they paid for it. Yes. I then switched how I do donations. So, cause I get, I always get exposure like, Oh, there'll be 300 people here. You, you can die of exposure. Whatever. And I'm like, I can't pay my That's health right. insurance and exposure. So now what I do is I will say I can donate, but rather than donating 300 small plain cookies to all of your attendees, I'd rather donate two dozen donor, two dozen cookies to your gold sponsor table. Because the folks that wrote the $10,000 check to be your gold sponsor can also write a check out for $48 for a dozen cookies. Absolutely. It took me a long time to figure that out. But now that I've figured out that out, those donations translate into sales. Yes. But I didn't get there. It's a win-win. Because <laughs> you, you're, you're getting that, that qualified lead. Well, and I'm... I'm conscious about what, now that I've got 3,500 Facebook likes, I get hit up for collaborations all the time sure. because they want to leverage that audience for their own gain. You start to play that game where you go, okay, how many Facebook likes do you have? Because if I'm not getting the same... Equal partner. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, this podcast is is mostly a selfish venture where I get to spend time, an hour with people and learn and talk so if it does well, great. If it doesn't do well, that my metrics aren't that this has right. to be a business. I've got a business. On the other hand, like a podcast, like when we do videos for musicians, what you just said is true. If you can't be some sort of an equal partner in helping to promote right. what we're doing, then why are we <laughs> working so, with you? <laughs> and sometimes it's that creative outlet, right? Like I love what you're doing yeah. and I want to support you. Yeah. I want to I want to give you that leg up and I want to yes. I want to help. I want to help you the way that somebody helped me. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's that. And sometimes you have to look at it as a business. I, I still have to pay my bills at That's the right. end of the month too. Yeah. So it's that whole, I get invited to parties because people know that I bring cookies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you get invited thinking that um, you're going to show I, up with some growlers. I, but That's exactly what happened twice yesterday. I went to... two events and I'm at the point now where if I don't show up with something, right. it kind of seems like, Oh, right. Oh, I've gotten that. I used to belong to a wine club in the Twin Cities and I showed up with this beautiful cardamom pea soup with like a sriracha. It was like a sriracha um, creme fraiche. Yeah. It was beautiful summer soup. And they were like, oh, we thought you brought dessert. And I was like, I can make other things. Like I wasn't always the dessert person, but... Right. Yeah. You start to kind of couch too. Okay, are they inviting me because they find me interesting and right. they want me to be? Yeah. Hey, that part that, of that schmuck group. over there got in yeah. for nothing, and I'm expected to bring <laughs> sixty bucks to walk in the door. I I had a lady that used to be a coffee shop regular that told me at church one day. She goes, "Well, my birthday's next week, you know, so two two or three dozen cookies." And I I literally just because laugh. I can't I don't have a filter. Yeah. So I just said, well, did you get me $78 yeah, for my birthday? Exactly. And she was like, and I was like, well, that's what two dozen, two dozen cookies with tax would run you about 78 something. And she was like, oh, it's no different. Like I, I went to our, our Flandreau sesquicentennial was this July. And so all school reunion and people would say, oh, are, do you still live in town? And I'd say, well, yeah, I still live in town. Do you still live in town? And they would get so offended. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, but you, you just asked me the same question. You asked me a p- kind of an insulting yeah, like you, dig. Like I, I, of course I'm still here. Yeah. I get that I'm not out and about because I work odd hours and I'm kind of holed up at the cookie. The thing with cookies is that you can't really be interrupted. I could sit and t- I could have done this podcast and decorated a dozen cookies while we sat here and talked. Because that's not, I mean, I'm looking at you in the eye now, but I could be decorating cookies or doing something like that. But I can't stop. If I'm in the middle of something or I'm writing out Ben's Brewing Company or I'm filling in a cookie, it's not like you can stop and grab somebody a teaspoon for their lemonade or to refill ice or whatnot. And that's really why the bean vine kind of closed and didn't work. I always say to people when they say, well, are you going to be the next Martha, you know, Martha 
What's Sweet Martha's? Cavity? Sweet Martha's or, um, yeah, Mrs. Fields. That's the one I yeah. get all the time. And I'm like, no, I want to pay my bills and I want to travel. You figured out your mission. And I, that, yeah. that's what you weren't figuring out when you were in college. Right, right totally. Back when we started. Exactly. It, you, you figured out what you want to be and how, what your goals are. I, what I love about cookies, I can listen to podcasts all day long. Oh, yeah. That's really how. I mean, I'd been following you for a while, um, which sounds super stalkery, but no. Mainly because it was like, okay, you love Yankton. I wish Flanger had that community. I wish Flanger had that community that just embraced, like, let's do a fall dinner. And if six people show up, let's be happy that six yeah. people showed up. It's a great start. Or let's have an arts, you know, any of that kind of stuff. And it just struggles. It's It struggles to kind of get out of its own way. There's a path. And I think that people who are doing creative, interesting things in small towns like yourself yep. are, are going to help show that way. Indeed. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I didn't know what to expect when we started started the conversation, and I've had a lot of a uh, lot of lessons that that you've doled out today. So, and now it's almost cookie time. Indeed. I pick up my daughters from daycare here in about a half hour. They're going to be pretty pretty jazzed, stoked about their unicorn cookies. Well, let's talk about where people can find you online. How do they find Figtails? Figtails, um, it's Facebook. Facebook um, is the majority of the inquiries that I get, or Instagram, which is just at Figtails. So that'll that'll get you connected to me. Well, very good. Stacy Sudcamp, keep doing what you're doing. Keep you, making those good cookies. And we'll be back next week with another episode of The Lanyard. Thanks for listening. Thanks.